Check, check, check. Here we are. It's beginning to look a lot like spaghetti. Christmas. Spaghetti. Happy December, everyone, from the Herald and Modcast here from our sunny studios in sunny Southern California. Is it sunny? <laughs> it's been rainy, actually. Yeah, I was in Louisiana good. when it was raining here. I, I looked out. Yeah, I guess so. I like the rain in this area. That's you true. never get it, so it's fun to have it sometimes. We needed it desperately mm-hmm. uh, with the fires and everyone's still cleaning up from that mess. Yeah, a little help from Mother Nature never hurt. Thank you. Yeah, really. So we've got a very cool film review, um, kind of part two of our Return of the Western series. It's uh, the Coen Brothers' new film that's exclusively, well, I think it was in some theaters, but it's on Netflix. It's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and it's uh, six short films all in one, all all little westerns. Mm Mm-hmm vignettes and uh, as usual it is geniusly written and directed by the two of them and it's got a lot of their standby cast members including tim blake nelson who actually plays buster scruggs Mm -hmm. that is the first of the six uh liam neeson's in it uh james franco clancy brown even has a moment in there tom waits tom waits steven root zoe kazan brendan gleason Mm -hmm. um tyne daly it's uh, Harry Melling, who Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter, has a really brilliant breakout role in Meal Ticket. We'll talk about that one. Yeah. One with Liam Neeson. Yeah, they're all very different stories, and they don't end up uh, tying into one another at no. the end. I kind of thought they might. Well, even the poster, it shows like six different sort of people can but i guess they're coming and going if you look at the poster but it sort of seems like they're all going to connect somehow with when you look at the poster because mm-hmm. there's sort of six different branchings out from the ballad of buster scruggs i mean it's all set in the you know 1800s american wild west yeah for so sure same time period uh do we know exactly what year it's set no i don't think so yeah i don't either no i don't think so <laughs> do you care I guess not. No, it's Western. So, uh, and, you know, as we talked about, if you haven't heard our episode on the return of the Western, you should go check it out on our website, com, because there has been a lot of Westerns. I mean, Westworld, obviously, the big one that sort of ushered that sort of back in. But there's been a lot lately, some that have been celebrated, some that have overlooked, like Hostels last year. Yeah, and a lot that are more interesting than Westworld. Yeah, yeah. Like this. Like Hostels last year. Um, but there's a, like this, yeah. The first one with Tim Blake Nelson, they're, they're all really, you know, provocative. And some of them are very sad and kind of somber. Um, it's definitely tragic. It's tragic westerns. But there's humor in it, like all the Coen Brothers stuff. Yeah, there's tragedy and violence and humor and... You know, drama. You get a, you get everything. It's they do that well. Where it's not like this one will be the funny one. Yeah. And this one will be the drama one. Right. And this one will be the scary one. It's sort of all. They have all elements in each little film, and they're different lengths. They're very different lengths. Yeah. Some are sort of short. Others are considerably longer. Right. Which is cool. The first one with Tim Blake Nelson is uh, 
sort of the most kind of tongue in cheeky, I think. Yeah, it really is. It kind of like it kind of makes you think the movie's going to be this way, and right? Then until you get to a couple of their stories and you realize it's going to be any goddamn way they want it. Yeah, I know. Good for them. Yeah, it's cool because uh, he plays it very sort of a, a little O to O brother. You know that his char- you know that sort bit. of. I was saying that it's sort of like they did a movie about the character from Hail Caesar. Yes. Yeah. Where he's literally like jumping up on the horse and spinning on the tree branch <laughs> and, you know, shooting five different guys with four bullets. And but all he's that. a bank robber. Who? Buster Scruggs. Isn't he a bank robber? He's like a wanted man. He's a wanted man, yeah. And he sort of goes from town to town singing songs and yeah. <laughs> brutally killing people. Yeah. That's the funny part. Yeah. Is they don't skip on the uh, realistic violence, even within a sort of tongue-in-cheek world, right. which I appreciate. Which you're really sort of shocked by. Yeah, it's really funny. And then you're like reminded, this is a Coen Brothers film. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really, it gets you off the bat. Yeah. Where you're like, he's singing and charming and well-dressed <laughs> and then he like shoots a guy in the face yeah <laughs> like, he just blows his fucking <laughs> head off his head's gone. yeah it's hilarious Which it would be with a gun like that sort of kind of at least definitely would be you know dead yeah uh so and then franco's the ba- he his one is the bank robber yeah he's uh, the pan shot and i mean honestly that one wasn't ba- that was probably my least favorite of all of them although it's- it that doesn't it, it, that's not a slight, really, because they're all very good. But yeah, was, that was the least favorite. It was sort of like the least um, unique, I think. Each one sort of had its compelling, little, yeah, or just sort of like it didn't really stand out yeah. as its own thing. It sort of was just like another western story. I thought it was going to tie into the first one, that's right? What made you me do think. sort of feel that way, Until and then it doesn't. The, yeah, so you see the third one, the fourth one, fifth one, and stuff. You're like, okay, these are not. intersecting at any point which is cool it's you know it's like it it, it's told through the like turning pages of a book you know yep and that's sort of how they introduce each story is with like an illustration and a a quote and it sort of gives you a little insight into what the story is going to be about then you see how it's going to tie into the story which is another thing they do really well is they have it planned out to where as you get you know, a little foreshadowing with the intro. Right. And then you see, like, what that really meant by the end of the film. And you're like, oh, wow. Fucking they, God damn it. I know. They're yeah. geniuses. God damn it. They did it goddamn again. Though I, I can't figure out with the Franco one if it's just that I found that to be the least dynamic or I'm just like, freaking hate Franco right now. I yeah, mean, it's hard to see James Franco. Scumbag. Well, and the whole thing, yeah, with the deuce, and they're like, oh, I don't think it should be canceled because of the way he behaved. And it's like, he's, well, then you're going to give him a pass. Yeah. So you're going to give him a pass because of his status. I can't really give him a pass. Well, I'm not saying you should. I'm saying that, like, Hollywood is clearly giving him one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they also clearly have, like, selective, you know, who does and who has to pay the piper or not, depending on their stance or their status in Hollywood, where it's like, dude's clearly had a long history pretty well documented history of sexual indiscretion but because he is who he is and he is who he's attached to that he doesn't have to have the axe come down as hard clearly like it's not happening like, yeah he sort of has to go away but he still gets to work well and there's so no investigation if you listen to the show regularly you've heard us talk about chris hardwick a million times and you know he had this one person accuse me to him uh accuse him and he kind of got taken down but then he got back up again but james franco has had endless 
like endless and you worse. know and, like and sexual stuff assault was, stuff well chris Hardwick stuff is within like a committed relationship yeah and like that's not that's excusing behavior but james franco has like grooming allegations yeah and like he had that teaching that class at ucla and he would take the girls and they all of a sudden they're doing nude scenes and sex scenes with yeah. no uh private part protection covering and stuff yeah because it's more real and you know like that kind of shit yeah, over and over and that shit on like instagram hitting up be like, if you're in the area come have sex with me it's, yeah. it's my new art piece called having sex with you right <laughs> He's 17 year old yeah he's a fucker yeah you know but then you're supposed to be like well yeah he is in this movie but it's no big deal yeah so i can't really tell if i was just so put off by him but i do think objectively it's the least interesting of all six of them yeah. um the one that was the most that i i don't know if i want to say it's my favorite but it, it definitely gets you is this one with liam neeson uh and also um Harry Melling, who is a.k.a. Dudley Dursley. That one's called Meal Ticket. And and Harry Melling has no arms, no legs. Mm-hmm. And he's and Liam Neeson is his kind of facilitator. Like, they, yeah. they have a little sideshow and they go from town to town. And he puts him on a chair and he, resho- re, he you know, recites Shakespeare. And, Shakespeare. And, and Paul, all poems. Mary Shelley's you know. Ozymandias. Yeah. Shake, uh, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Cain and Abel by Shakespeare. Yeah. So he, and he has it all memorized and he's like a true thespian. He just has no arms and no legs. Right. And Liam Neeson literally does everything for him. He's yeah. like his caretaker. So he's carrying him on and off the stage. He's doing his makeup. He's dressing him. He's feeding him. He's taking him to the oh, bathroom. Yeah. And you see all these things and you see them go from town to town and the crowds and they come out right. and then he passes his hat around and. Let That's us not the spoil the ending of it, though, because no, it's pretty could, significant. You but, wouldn't dare do that. No, um, but it is it is really hard to watch in some ways, but the way they end this. And yet, uh, Harry Melling's performance in this I was truly like a standout. Like It was brilliant performance. And he has to do so much of it with just his face. Like yeah. his eyes, because he does he recites these things, but then he doesn't speak at all. They don't com- they don't talk to each other. No, you see them in the woods eating, and, and Liam Neeson taking care of him, but By he does fire. he's not speaking. It's almost like he can only speak when he does these performances. Yeah, it's strange, and it's you, it does make you wonder about what their relationship is. Yeah, and you never really you don't know find who out. it is. Like no. in the beginning, you're like, is this is guardian is his yeah, brother his son his brother yeah, his father, kid yeah. his fucking abandoned child he found in a underneath a thing did he raise the kid did the kid already know all the shakespeare when he found him right how did he lose his arms and legs was he born without them why is he, is he such cl- a good actor why yeah, is he so right. good on stage <laughs> yeah. how did he get the opportunities to be on stage as a legless armless person back then they would have been like you don't get to learn shakespeare you're yeah. a freaking freak right like that's i mean back then you know that's true uh, it is yeah, called Meal Ticket, so it is sort of, if you remember, if you go back to that kind of after you see it, you're like, oh, okay, that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right, there are a lot of questions that you don't really care, to. you don't need answered, because you're so drawn into these performances and the story, and then when the the ending happens, you're kind of like, oh my god, yeah. you know? <laughs> it <laughs> like, is. Yeah, it's dark. It's dark. It's it's. Very dark, but it's really quite brilliant. Brilliant art. Um, 
Sick. I, Good it, storytelling. Haven't seen anything like it before, really. Well, it's, this is the super um, sort of mythological storytelling. Like they all always do. Yeah, yeah, it's really like fables. You're getting told like modern fables, yeah. which I think, I mean, they definitely have roots in you know, historical mythology, but these are like the new stories. It's really neat. Well, that's what Westerns are. Yeah. You know, and everything goes back to mythology and yeah, just like the new superhero movies of today. Yep. Are basically the Westerns of old. So, uh, what else? There's the, there, uh, Oh, the one with Zoe Kazan is also quite, disturbing the ending oh, we, is quite disturbing that one, yeah we skipped over that one that no, is, no 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 you skipped oh. the tom waits one. Oh yes it goes in order yep so the tom waits one comes after and that's called all all gold canyon and it's tom waits as a old grizzled uh prospector yep just going through with his mule in the you know open wilds of the west and finds a stream and pans in the stream and decides to start digging there yeah and he knows he's convinced there's a nice big veiny channel of gold right underneath the ground somewhere by that stream it's basically him digging and digging yeah and eating and sleeping and talking to himself and digging and digging and digging it's kind of cool you never yeah. really see the process of gold panning well, th- that was then. what was interesting about it is yeah. they sort of brought us into how that actually works and I had no idea that they're really like they're going through the river, but they're they're digging on the ground. Like, like you think mm-hmm. it's coming out of the water, but well, it's actually and he kept finding small little shavings of yeah. gold. And you're like, why isn't he taking those? Right. And then he would go down the stream, and there'd be less gold. And he'd go back upstream, a little more gold. And so he's basically like finding the sweet spot as to where that gold is coming from yeah. the runoff of the gold from the soil into the water. Yeah. I guess. And then he starts digging and planting. Uh, flags like, right and she's literally just taking a chance it's kind of fascinating you know because you always wonder you always just see like in deadwood and stuff people just panning and yeah then, that's what we've always seen yeah for killing that. each other yeah <laughs> taking exactly. each other's gold that's how i got my gold well even what was the other western that well it's not really a western they specifically don't call it that but the sisters brothers is really set in that time period yeah, too it's a western. yeah they and uh, they do some of that, and they do it in the river, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. They definitely do it in the river. Uh, so, yeah, this one was very... Um, the cinematography in this one particularly was quite brilliant. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, this whole sort of uh, alt- other character in this owl. Yeah, the owl. That is there and present, and he steals one of the owl's eggs, and you kind of keep thinking the owl is going to come back and... Yeah, I kind of thought him for that. <laughs> yeah, you keep thinking that the owl's going to play a bigger part in the story yeah. for some reason, but uh, needless to say, he does find the gold vein. That wasn't one of my top favorites either. No, it was cool, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, if you had to list them or rate them, it'd be like not my favorite. Although I bet a lot of critics will say it is because it's very kind of artistic and mm-hmm. you know. Um, the, again, the cinematography and the art direction and all that were beautiful in it. Yeah, it's sort of slower paced. Very it's, slow. it's nice, though. Yeah. It's fun. It's like nice and fun. And then there is some high drama by the end of things, which right. is cool. Yes, they do give you that. There's a, a good little payoff. Yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, so the Zoe Kazan one, Zoe Kazan, a.k.a. the, the granddaughter gal, of The gal Elia who got Kazan. rattled. Yeah, no one cares about that. <laughs> the, guy, the gal who got rattled is the name of the movie. 
And then, yeah, it's with Zoe Kazan. I don't know that nobody cares about that. People who like movies and movie history. No, no Oscar-winning director that. of On the Waterfront. That's not she's important. Hollywood royalty. Uh, she's a going west on a covered wagon with her brother, who's kind of a scumbag, and he's basically selling her off to some buddy, his friend of his. For marriage. Yeah, and uh, they're on a caravan. They're in one of those old western covered wagon caravans and mm-hmm. treacherous times. You know, this is, you know, actively being attacked by Native Americans and Yeah, any all that sort of stuff. thing, disease and fucking pestilence. Yep, and uh, she is, along the way, her brother gets really sick and she kind of has to figure out how she's going to pay the her helper and navigate this on her own. And one of the, the, the two men that are leading this caravan sort of comes to her aid. And it's, it's kind of a quirky, it's a quirky story. It's sort of like a love story, partly. Yeah. Or like a, and she's basically left to her own devices because once the brother's no longer her like male companion, she has no like value or no right and she's always you know supposed to pay the kid who's taking the the wagon x amount of money that she doesn't have so she's sort of left out of nowhere and the you know leader of the caravan asks her you know you want to go back and she's like i have nothing to go back to so she has to sort of go keep going on the all you know towards oregon in the hopes that there'll be something there and so this guy who basically runs the caravan he's sort of the head of the caravan basically starts following for falling for well uh, for practical reason i mean it's very sort of a practical you know he wants to not do this anymore he wants to settle down he hasn't married he has no family he's getting older and there's another guy who does it with him who's much older and completely missed the boat on having a family and kids right and but so he's really he's lo- good at his job yeah but he's looking at that guy and he's saying, I that's don't want me. that. Yeah. yeah, that's me if I keep going on this path. And he sees this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like he could marry this woman. She's not she's plain. She's, she's whatever. You know, right. it's not like this grand love story. No, but it's very, yeah, of the, of the time. Yeah. And that's what they do so well is they really zero in on a time mm-hmm. and, and, and paint it so perfectly, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and they really showcase in this one how treacherous life was for early settlers. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, with everything, all the things you said, like with disease and just like getting across the country. First of all, think about how long that took. Well, a lot of them are walking. Yeah, they're walking. They're on foot. I know. Like the wagons are to hold their possessions, most of them, you know? So like they're walking alongside this wagon, wooden wagon with no suspension. Yeah. You know? That's another thing. No suspension. Little things we don't even think about. Then they have to traverse this, you know, treacherous land. No roads, no pavement. Yeah. Just here, we made these wheels out of wood and we put a canvas cover on the wagon. Right. Put your shit in there. For the rain and the snow and the... rain, anything. Any weather, mud... Getting the you know wagon up a muddy hill, yeah, that would suck. You know, there's no RPMs, there's <laughs> yeah. no torque. It would, it would be horrible. Being attacked by Native Americans, yeah, bands of wild 
Comanche or whatever. Yeah. They'll scalp you. And, and just you. other settlers, like, they have to worry about, too. Mm-hmm. And also, they have to worry about the people in their can- caravan not stealing their money and, like, yeah. attacking them. Or- sure. Yeah. You're lucky to make it across. A lot of people don't, or their children don't make it because they get sick. And yeah. You know, it's... It's not, you know, hopping on American Airlines. Boy, do we have it, have it easy yeah, in like, comparison. Uh, yeah. Coach. Uh, so, I mean, this was a good one. It was yeah, kind of like surprising. It The way it sort of, pay, it was, again, sort of kind of slow pace. But the way it reveals itself, you're like, wow, this was really good. Really good storytelling. And again, there's another large payoff that sort of leaves you conflicted but also satisfied, which is something very hard to do. Yeah. With a viewer, at least in my opinion. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of know all the beats of what they're doing. You just have to, like, trust them. Yeah. Like yeah. in Suburbicon and stuff where you're like, where is this going? And then you're like, oh, wow, I'm so glad I stuck with it. Right. I just have to trust that they, they know better than I do in the storytelling of their own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You just go, like, trust, trust the film, you know, and you'll be pleasantly surprised by the end of things. Yeah, I think that they're one of the few one of few filmmakers you can really say that about where yeah. you just gotta trust I mean that's something you'd say about Hitchcock you know mm-hmm. and just they were doing a Hitchcock marathon recently so on uh, IFC so it just made me think of it but that's something you would do with him or anything you're watching of his you kind of be like well I'm just gonna go with this because I trust he knows what he's doing and mm-hmm. and there aren't a lot that I can say that about even like the great ones like I don't even think I'd say that about Wes Anderson I wouldn't but I would say that about the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. Totally. As, as much as I love many of Wes Anderson's films, like Budapest, et cetera, but, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't, you're, you're totally right about them. Like, you just got to trust and know that they're going to go the right path. Yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, so what's the last one called? The Mortal Remains. This one is maybe the best, but it's, you don't um, realize it till afterwards. Yeah, and it's basically a short play. I mean, the, yeah. it all takes place inside a stagecoach, more or less. And, and it's five people, or six people. It's the great five Brendan people. Gleeson, Irish yep. actor, uh, Tyne Daly, mm-hmm. who um, was a multi-Emmy, Tony-winning actress who was in a show called Cagney and Lacey in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Oh, uh, Sal, uh, what's his name? Rubinock or something. He's, I always think of him as the guy, the producer, he's a producer from True Romance. Yes. Yes. That guy. Um, and he's in stuff. Yeah. He's in stuff. Who are the other two in that? I forget. I forget too. Um, but it's this, they're going, they're on a journey mm-hmm. and somebody else famous is sort of, it's, I forget who else is in this, but that's nice. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the thing right there. I, I don't know. Yeah, it just says Frenchman, Englishman, Irishman. Yeah, it's but you. Re- it's really kind of creepy and spooky. Well, yeah, you're not really sure where they're going or what they're doing, and then you find out that two of the men are bounty hunters, and um, they actually have their bounty on top of the stagecoach, which is in fact a dead body. Right. And so they're just. It's very poetic. It's a lot of monologues and and just dialogue. Like you said, it feels like a play. Yeah, it definitely does, but in a good way. Yeah, like, and the can, performances yeah. are quite brilliant. Oh yeah, very good stuff. Um, and they're they're well, it's one woman and that's sort of going 
to you know traveling somewhere and they're all sort of by the end of it you don't know who's bad guys good guys it's kind of mm-hmm. this creepy feeling and it, it's very sort of um Jean Paul Sartre's no exit kind of thing because he turns out to be like you think maybe they're going into hell and are they ghosts or you don't know 100% what just happened right. but it's really quite are they on the like boat down the river sticks kind of thing yeah uh, yeah and you're not really sure until the end and you're like oh that's cool yeah it's very cool it's a good way to end it yeah it's really neat really good acting really uh, good performances great performances all around and, um, yeah, I mean, the whole thing in general is extremely satisfying. Mm-hmm. And it was right on time. It was a good time to release this film, in my opinion. What, because of Return of Westerns? Well, and also um, Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out. Oh, right. That's, like, the biggest Western thing ever. That's true. Argue. And the success of that. Well, argue. isn't it one of the biggest selling properties ever now? Or was that Call mm-hmm. of Duty? No, that was uh, Grand Theft Auto oh, okay. 5, but it's the same. It's uh, Rockstar Games. They did Grand, the whole Grand Theft Auto series and Red Dead Redemption. Right. So this being Red Dead Redemption 2 for the current consoles, yeah, it made like $750 million in its opening weekend. $750 million, is that what I said? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So that... that puts westerns in people's you know mind and that's an opening weekend compare that to you know what the highest grossing movie in a weekend is something like a hundred and something million yeah 200 million maybe right and like if infinity war or whatever you know or a star wars movie and it's not as even come close that's it's yeah it's unbelievable it's what they make all together yeah (laughs) not what they made in in three days yeah it's insane it's fucking cool yeah you're right it is good timing i don't know if everybody who sees coen brothers will tie those two together but maybe people like me will yep the cool ones the cool ones uh yeah so you can see that now on netflix it's currently streaming and we highly recommend it i give it justice much justice yeah it's something you could rewatch too i would like to see it again because they're each you know each little one you kind of miss you're sort of thinking about what you just saw when the next one starts. Yeah. And so you like kind of want to rewatch things again and see if you really missed anything. And they, it's sort of smoothly, like you said, it does that kind of narration thing into stuff. Yeah. And um, through the story and the book, and it kind of smoothly transitions to the next one. Mm-hmm. But you can, it gives you this moment where you could stop and if you needed Pause to and, and think about it before you go on to the next or whatever i don't know i would like to go see it go watch it again yeah that'd be cool uh so walking dead ended it's uh season mid-season, mid-season finale was with a bombshell yeah the bombshell we all knew was coming eventually they finally introduced it finally uh long enough you haven't seen it yet now's your time to skip ahead there's a death in the family and it's not one that we're, we expected to be. It was No, I kind of thought it was going to be one of those where he's not really dead because it's who he, the characters, you know, Jesus. Yeah. And uh, you kind of figure, again, he didn't get like a definitive kill shot. Like, it's not like he got shot in the head or bashed his brains and he gets sort of stabbed in the ribs from behind and just sort of falls to the ground kind of think he maybe could survive that depending on the writing until we 
saw that article about the <laughs> the actor who said he's glad to be killed off the show. Yeah, that's telling. That's a sign of the times when an actor on The Walking Dead isn't like, oh, we were all just a family. I know. And when we left and I left and everyone gave me a sweet little hug and they said, keep in touch and la la la. He said the opposite. Right. He said there's just so many characters on the show and it's hard to get a storyline going for your character. Yeah. And he said another thing that they introduced new characters just to go back to the same five characters right. and then kill that character off and expect people to care, the new character. Right. And so he's like, you're fighting just to get on camera. There's all yeah. these people. Nobody knows each other anymore. You know? Oh, yeah. that means, oh, wow. Okay. And so he's saying like, you know, it's like, how do you, it just became boring. He's like, I got really bored wow. being on the show. And that's pretty candid. That's more say. candid than I've heard anyone on that show say. No, everyone always says, oh, it's so good, and oh, it's so fun. And I bet it's not. I bet it was yeah. in the initial five seasons, four or five seasons. But at this point, like you said, there are so many characters. And Jesus, they never really utilized him in a really cool way, like in the comics, in my right. opinion. You know? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really going to miss this character of jesus yeah you didn't like that casting ever really no i didn't really buy it I yeah figured they could have got someone a bit more that looks a bit more roadworthy yeah you rugged know? yeah a bit more he's like a the comic hipstery he's a little hipstery with those little baby blues and yeah shit. Like, he's what, a little too pretty for that you know, character sort of a pretty boy with it looks like it's the beard's fake you know it's like it is i think maybe it is either way it doesn't look real on right. his face it looks like um, that man should not have a beard. <laughs> Doesn't like suit him. Yeah, I know. I know. I yeah. I agree. Never really dug it. It hit just like the, the vibe and the look of that casting. Just yeah, didn't really. He gel. didn't do a lot of like martial arts, which is what he was supposed to do. Yeah, either. he was supposed to be like Kung Fu Jesus. Yeah, kicking ass. And he really didn't. Like I no, thought he was going to be moments. like Nolan Batman style like, of really good. What's that style called? That fighting style from the Nolan Batman. I don't know. Oh, there's like a name for it. Kung Fu. Uh, oh, I thought you do. Uh, or like, b- or um, you know, Jason Bourne style fighting. I thought it was going to be some cool. Yeah, like really action. quick. Yeah. Hand-to-hand sambo combat kind of stuff. Yeah. But no, he barely did it. Yeah, sometimes. sometimes. There was a couple moments in this episode where he had the, he's almost doing like Wing Chun sword kung fu like. Oh, really? Jumping tiger, crouching penis. <laughs> Yeah, I but mean, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I was first, I was surprised, like, wow, they really killed him, and like, nah, they probably didn't, and mm. then you find out that he is dead, and you're like, okay, yeah, yes. nobody cares, nobody's even tuning in anymore. No, it's, you know, that's the thing. Well, you know, what's interesting that he shit all over it like that is that he's got total cover from the fact that the ratings are so low because in the past, if a character did that. It'd be news. It'd be like, blah, blah, yeah. blah, shit's on The Walking Dead, oh, God. and now he's in trouble. No, he like, was it's pretty like, honest. It means nothing. Yeah, and I think he probably saw that, too. And he probably wanted to leave. Well, because I think he said something like, you got to kill some of these characters to, like, the new showrunner. Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? Just kill me. And, like, I uh, guess she told, like, she went, he's like, you know, they came to, like, tell me. And I was like, okay, yeah, great. I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't care. And, like, he's the kind of guy, he's young in his career. He's British. He's Isn't British. He British. He's British, yeah, you know. Go have a career. I'm probably, yeah, he probably thinks that, you know, there's greener pastures. And uh, at this point, there are. I'm for sure, everyone. Well, I'm sure he's sick of being in hot atlanta georgia in the summer right. filming the show when he's not even on it that much and there's too many characters and now the lead character is gone you know 
Which it doesn't really doesn't. Now, what was, didn't you say this about, well, the first couple episodes of the season, we kind of gave it a chance because it felt yeah. like it knew again. And, and then once Rick was gone, it kind of slipped back into, I mean, you really need him in to helm the show first yeah, of it's all weird. it's not working without him i don't think even with daryl there it just doesn't work he's not the lead no daryl you know? was never meant to be a lead lead he's sort of like sub lead yeah you know? that's what people liked about that character was he was sort of a road dog on his own but he always like worked with the group right you know and that's what sort of gave him his cool dynamic but yeah he can't be the lead of the show well and the show without it feels like a show without a lead and we were already even with the lead gone in some respects most people were yeah so just from the ratings alone so what else happened they introduced the the um alpha the, character or the wolf no not the, yeah the whisper characters okay they don't introduce her straight up i but then in, in the like next time on walking dead clip they show her sort of with the bald head from behind like oh there she is and uh yeah you see them and they see them talking and they even reveal it like they don't go what was that like right. cause in the comic there's a couple they have a couple of run-ins with the whispers where someone gets like stabbed and they're like the zombies are learning and blah 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 right but in this you know they literally somebody gets stabbed by one and then they start killing them fighting back and there's zombies with knives and machetes mm-hmm. and they take one and they see this the stitching in the back of their head and cut it off and there's some guy real person a live person underneath so they sort of put it together all at uh, once, okay. you know, which sort of like they sort of rushed in or not rushed, but sort of compressed yeah. all of that storytelling into one moment, which is whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, they finally reveal that. And they also have Negan escape. Oh, for Christ's sake. And he sake. just walks out the front door, which is funny. Like it wasn't some big <sighs> like prison break. It was him sort of wearing down Gabriel. Because Gabriel was sort of his caretaker in a sense. So now he's going to go be Negan again. I don't know. I guess so. He left. I mean, because there's a moment where the, it's it's the the door is unlocked but closed, and he <laughs> just goes to push it, and it is open. They should have killed him and way then, back. Yeah, they get lots. It's really stupid. And sort of one of the last moments is, or yeah, less whatever moments is him like back at his savior compound. So I don't know if he's oh really re- looking, but nobody's there. Nobody's there. Yeah, it's dark and dark, and he's, but he's like, I'm home. Pee pee pants, fucking pee pee. Yeah, I'm over that character completely, and I just like the whole thing. I don't, I don't want to go through another group of people that are going to terrorize people that I don't even care about anymore. Yeah. I mean, Maggie's MIA. Like, I'm trying to think of who I can... Michonne, what they're doing with her character, I don't really like. I mean, she's becoming sort of like a hard badass. Like, she used mm-hmm. to be a cool badass. Now she's kind of... I don't know. I it just... it's It needs to end. They yeah, should have ended it with Rick leaving. That should have ended the show. Yeah. I mean, please, let this show die with respect All instead right. of what you're doing. Yeah, it's a little past that. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they ever saw it coming. The drop off. Yeah. Well, it was Glenn. We've talked about this a million times. Like they had no, they had no understanding of the impact of what they did with killing off Glenn in that episode. Yeah. And they they didn't. They made this critical error of not realizing that a TV audience is a very different audience from a comic book audience yeah man they don't know most people do not read the comics that watch that show especially when it was at its height like when it was beating sunday night football for god's sake yeah like you can't say that all those people have read the comics like it's just 
no way which is okay i mean that's what happens when things get bigger but you have to then tailor it a little bit it's a television show you know you can't just fucking feed them to the meat grinder and be like so my movies no my movies these are my comics yeah so i guess it'll be back what february yeah i guess so and, you know, it's like sad to me in a lot of ways because we have traditionally been kind of on the road when it comes back for mid-season. Mm-hmm. Like we saw it one time in, in Ireland. I think we were in Alaska one time mm-hmm. um, in UK. And, and we would always be in search of a place to find it. We had to see it, you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, who cares? It's just kind of sad. Yeah, it's, it's over, man. Yeah. Like. I, I wasn't even really paying attention that episode. Yeah. Just sort of waiting for the big moments. And that's what it was. You're just going to have to wait until the end to pay right. attention because so much of it was just unnecessary dialogues and relationships building that you don't care about these characters. Right. Now there's like this whole new wave of characters they introduced that we all have to like Who care cares? about. Yeah, it's stupid. And, and Dan Fogle, Fogler, yeah, Fogler. Tara's still alive. <laughs> you Talking hate Tara. about like, too many characters. Kill her. Yeah. Kill that character. It's the stupidest character. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's We Talk Dead. Uh, one thing Please. I want to mention uh, that you haven't embraced yet, but everybody in the world is embracing this, is Netflix original The Last Kingdom, which uh, is... It was originally a BBC One show, and then Netflix took it on, and then now it's exclusively Netflix. Um, it just had the um, it just dropped season three. Stars Alexander Draymond as Uhtred, son of Uhtred, and it's like for Thrones fans, go go binge this because it is it takes place in the ninth century during the formation of England with uh, King Alfred and the Danes Vikings sort of attacking at all corners. And it's a really cool story. And the battles are amazing. The characters are great. Um, I, I highly recommend it. It's ironically from the producers of Downton Abbey, some of the producers and, um, but it's a really, really good replacement for Thrones. If you're looking cool, man. Yeah. You should watch it. Yeah. I'll watch it. I guess watch it. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff coming up soon, like Aquaman that we're excited about. That's December 21st. It's weird. It's coming out now. I know. It feels like a weird time for a superhero movie, but it does. I don't know. How do you think it's going to do? I mean, we've been talking about this forever. We saw the Comic-Con panels the last couple of years. It's finally here. Um, I don't know if it's the best time for a superhero movie. Not really. This seems like it'd be better in the summer, but they're going to put out the Wonder Woman, I guess. Yeah, and um, they're, this is competing against Mary Poppins, which is sure to be the big Christmas favorite, you know? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm excited to see it. When, you know, I, I do want to see it. So there's that. Here's hoping. <laughs> dc i hope you got this right if like if dc was a like movies were a stock i wouldn't be able to tell anyone to invest right now you never know how the final product's gonna turn out i know you don't know who knows even though james wan is they get these good properties and they fuck it up yeah it doesn't matter i mean james wan's a badass and i'm gonna we're gonna go see it regardless right but i can't say that it's gonna make a billion dollars 
or break I records. I think it will make some money. You know, I hope it will. I hope it will be really good because they need a win like that. They need a good quality film. Yeah, that's what they need. That and they need word of mouth. I like this character. I love Jason Momoa. Me too. You know, I'm I'm rooting for this. He's a likable guy, and I think people, you know, yeah, he's likable for audiences, and they definitely need a win right yeah. now. Yeah, just put up a, some numbers right now, DC. You know, forget the whole universe building. Just give us one good movie. Yeah, please. <laughs> forget the whole like overarching yeah. uh, universe building. Just make the you movie. the boat on that. Well, yeah. just tell the one story you want to tell. You know, yeah. don't set us up for all five other movies. Just make this one movie good. I know. You know, and that's that's what I'm hoping is what will happen with this because I am excited. I was geeked up at the Hall H panel. Yeah. But, you know, as we're getting close and it's Christmas time and stuff, it's like these is like, you know, it's a wet and wild water movie, you know? Yep. And during Christmas where it's snow and stuff, you know? I mean, I'm excited for Shazam, too. Mm-hmm. That's one of theirs, which could yeah, be cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool looking. It's cool yeah. that they're doing it and making it a bit more fun, a little yeah. lighthearted and stuff. I don't know. I, 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 the set pieces in this look phenomenal all the underwater stuff looks so cool the underwater battles like yeah of course i want to see it yeah but if you're asking about like how it's going to perform i wish it well and it just has to be a good just give us like a good action superhero yeah. he's aquaman make it fun yep doesn't don't give us some like shakespearean <laughs> s- story like who cares well Zack snyder needs to like be removed from that universe because yeah. he just his take on it was not working in no. my opinion and like who cares man he's always trying to like have some bigger imagery and symbolism darker and more brooding and, and like more commentary man on how uh, dark we all no, are just give us the story that's the thing that drives me crazy about um all this stuff is like messing with stories like they they just did that whole reboot of robin hood which bombed it was the biggest bomb of the year biggest bomb of the year and it bombed equally to king arthur which was another retelling of a story that they messed with that they messed with and it was a huge fucking bomb man and it cost the budget on king arthur was 175 mil this one was 100 mil and only made 14 million in it's oh my god 14 million on a hundred million dollar budget they'll maybe make some of that back overseas and on the release of the you know streaming but they've got to make that money over the first couple weeks and i mean i i saw that and i was like and we've talked about this before. The original, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood still stands as the best one. Yeah, Even if weird. you didn't love him in that role because whatever. But like that is the true, te- it's a good storytelling. It's Alan Rickman in one of the best performances ever yeah. as Sheriff of Nottingham. And it's just like, if you're going to do it, just do it more true to that. We don't need this modern version with Sexy Jamie Foxx and yeah, they're in the man. streets and shit. A, a good story should just be left the way it is, you know, and not fucked with. I hate this. So because I hated what Zack Snyder did with Superman, with Man of Steel, where he like changed up the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just like, changed it like just a little bit enough, like to suit his own needs yeah and it made the like costume it, dark instead of like bright colors no red underpants man oh well that's what people like you know and like it's just the but that like the whole idea of approaching it like that is stupid because that was that was something in the um death of superman lives where brian singer made his 
gay gay bat gay superman yeah you know, yeah yeah he's like pedo. that's a better movie though yeah but you remember he would have that picture of Nicolas cage in the superman suit and say we they were gonna make this this was gonna be a movie well i wish we saw that exactly yeah but that's my point about uh you know changing the red underwear it's right like sometimes it's not the red underwear that's no the problem you right know i mean it's in, if you just it's go on storytelling that, yeah, and if that's like your big thing, it's like this isn't your mom's X Y Z. It's like, well, just well, I give liked us- my mom's X Y Z. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, you know, if you're not going to tell a better story than my mom's X Y Z, then fuck you. Right. Like, don't just be like, we're we're cool. Like, it's not going to be anywhere near as interesting, but we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, you're right. Shut yeah. Up. Shut up, stupid. Yeah, agreed. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. I don't know. Uh, so we'll be back with our review of Aquaman and other things coming out this month. Um, another thing that I really want to see coming out this month is Adam McKay's new film Vice, starring Christian Bale about yeah. Dick Cheney and Sam Rockwell plays W. Yeah, and um, Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld. Yes, and Amy Adams, I think, is is uh, Cheney's wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It, it Christian Bale nails it. Even just I never in the thought trailers. a movie about Dick Cheney would be anything I'd care about. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, how interesting is this like, well, evil fat little old man? I know. And it turns out very dramatic and mm-hmm. very interesting. Apparently, uh, if you don't know who Adam McKay is, he uh, wrote and won an Oscar for The Big Short yeah. um, a couple years ago, and also is Will Ferrell's comedy writing partner. Well, he was the head writer on SNL when Will Ferrell was there yep. and they became best of friends and they've done fucking everything they did Step Brothers together with writing and or you know yeah directing one of the funniest movies ever yeah and uh yeah and so this is he's I'm th- that might be the one I'm most interested in seeing this season besides uh Aquaman, Aquaman. it opens on Christmas in select theaters around the country yeah and uh we'll be back with reviews on both of those yeah, it's exciting. There's still a couple good movies that I want to see. Maybe Watson and Holmes, if it doesn't get trashed by the reviewers. With Will Ferrell and... And John C. Riley, yeah. man. Like, I still would love to see that for them alone. But if I it's, agree. like, going to get trashed, then I don't know. Wait till it comes out on DVD or whatever. Or right. fucking Prime. Yeah, man. So, Christmas season is upon us again. I'm already opening up my chocolate calendar. Trying to make my tasty loads. Yep. Well, uh, I think we're out of here. I think that'll do it for today. <laughs> I'll do it for today. As always, visit us at thehmcnetwork.com. And uh, we'll see you next time, jerks. See you later, jerks.